is I want to remind you where we are at. If you don't know where we're at, you can go on our website and you can double up on what we've been going on for the last few months, but for the last almost three years, we've been going verse by verse to the book of Acts, verse by verse, and we've been diligent to come to a point where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in his latter years of life, but also we're at the end of chapter 24, and Paul is making a clear stand for the gospel to the point that he is in prison because he was sharing his faith boldly in the nation of Israel, specifically in Jerusalem. And now we find him at Caesarea being held by the governor Felix's uh, authority for two reasons, to protect him so that the outside Jews will not kill him, but for number two, God's sovereign hand. Let me tell you something. You are in the situation you are in because God sovereignly put you there. You may think you decided to come here today, but God brought you here today. And so you may say, what about the weekends I don't come? God is still sovereign. All right? He sovereignly didn't bring you for a reason, right? But he sovereignly brought you. Everything that goes on in life is in direct connection to God's hands. God is in absolute full control. And what I want us to do is I want us to read through this latter part of the chapter and see more suffering, but I got some good news in this suffering. Amen. Can I get away with this? And I want us to stand for the reading of God's word. I want us to be reverent in his word, not just in singing adorations and songs to him and about him and how that's correlating with our life, but also through his word. And while in the Caesarea jail, we pick up in verse 22, the reading goes on to say this, but Felix, the governor, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when, like, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your what? Case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to Paul's needs. After some days, Felix, the governor, came with his wife, Drusilla, what a name, huh, right, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about what? Faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you back. Last verse says this, at the same time, he hoped, Felix hoped, that Paul would give money towards this conversation. So he sent for him often and conversed with Paul. When two years has elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in the Caesarean prison. God, thank you for your word. Lord, uh, I know a bunch of people are asking for safety right now. Um, that's the reality of our human mindset. But I ask for an open door today, God. I ask for an open door to, to use such tragedy as what we're dealing with on this island and in Santa Fe as an opportunity to do what Paul did in his setting. Share his faith. In Christ alone. God, we love you. We thank you. And God's Ohana says, amen. For years, my wife, okay, my wife is from Tennessee. And, 
And, you know, she, was, she grew up in a uh, household, just she's the only sibling, second generation only sibling. And so I grew up with a family, and we just, just, it's just certain things brothers in my family don't do. Can I get a witness, right? I mean, like, for years, my wife has been asking me, babe, you need a pedicure. Can I get a witness, women, right? Like, there's just certain things, Hawaiians. In my family, you never see Tomaselli's at a pedicure place, all right? The Gabradas, I'm saying, right? There's just certain things we don't do, and we're going to celebrate 10 years of glorious marriage this August. And, you know, she said, come on, come on, come on. And my, I mean, I just want to let you know, okay? You know, God has given me some talents, right? I, I, I can play some instruments. I can sing some, a little tone here and there. But when it comes to my feet, all right, God has not blessed me with good feet, all right? And I didn't decide to wear slippers because of this today, but everybody looking at my feet now, right? All service, you'll be looking at my feet. But my feet is, is short and flat, right? There's, I don't know how I played running back in high school. I have no arch, right? It's stubby, right? The toes are really short too, right? And my, my feet is always ashy, you know, it just, it doesn't look pretty. And I got ingrown toenails up the yin-yang on this day, right? All right, Yanny, Laurel, whatever you guys doing, right, this morning. But the reality is, bro, it's like, I don't like people touching my feet. I, just, I have sensitive feet. I only care. I mean, no, not this day. I mean, that's the reality. I don't want it to touch my feet. I was making all kinds of excuses why I didn't want to have a pedicure for the last 10 years. And about a month ago, she asked me one more time, and I wasn't feeling good, so I'm like, okay, whatever, let's do it. I went there in the mall right next to Maui Tacos. Anybody know where the place is, right? And you get one big Vietnamese ohana in there, right? And all this. And the lady they would pick to do cow's toes, putting, was one lady, the auntie that was giving birth, you know, about to give birth. Putin had to work on these talons, right? And I just want to let you know my talons are weapons of destruction, okay? Let me just tell you that, all right? I have killed some sheets in my day, all right? I've ripped it up. We spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars because I just don't want to take care of my feet. But when you get in there, they put you on this chair, and it's a massage chair. I mean, from the crown of your head, to the soles of your feet, you're getting massaged, right? Talking about being selfish for one day. I'll take it, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and, then, I'm getting, and then you can get all the settings. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, this is too soft. I need more kanaka punch on me, you know what I'm saying? So I put it at the highest level of massage there is on there. And like, I'm getting jacked up, you know? And like, it's going nuts, but I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying the suffering and the pain of that massage. I'm like, I want to invest in something like this right? And, and the auntie, like for half an hour, started to hem on my feet, all the calluses, all the cockles, everything, like making, like I didn't have, I don't have uh, ingrown toenails anymore. I mean, she, you could tell they were talking bad about me because her husband was doing Lane's leg and they were speaking in Vietnamese to each other, you know, and you know they're talking bad about my talons, you know? And, but you know, you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta soak it up. That, that's my, that's my issue. And you know what? After that 30 minutes, they, they put this nice little orange, like citrus smell on it. Then you felt like a champ after that. And listen to me. All because 10 years of, 10 years of excuses, I could not experience that glorious pedicure. Are you with me? Like, I enjoyed that. 
It was awesome. I felt better. My attitude, my demeanor, my behavior. Now, my bank account got hurt because of it, but hey, that's all right. It costs to get glory. Can I get a witness, right? It costs to get glory, man. It, it was so honor, you know? And, and I come to think about this. We are people of excuses. I guess, oh, here we go now. Time to shave up some callus today. Mac Lake, one of my mentors, says this. An excuse is a perception based in a deception that pursues limitations. Read that with me. One, two, three. An excuse is a perception based in a deception that pursues limitations. Now, I don't stand up here perfect. I am an excuse maker just like everyone in this room, but that's what we do. We make excuses, as we learned last week, when we make excuses, we give power to our excuses, which limits us from experiencing God. How many of you want to experience God today? Amen. And every one of you are here because someone shared their faith with you. Someone encouraged you to Christ. And what we want, what I want to talk about is how do we share our faith? What does that look like for us? I mean, some of you in this room, who are on a raise of hands, who would say, I could learn more on how to share my relationship with Jesus, right? Every one of us. I'm still learning. Went to Bible college, went to seminary. I still don't got it down. But the reality is, this is why the church is gospel-centered, driven by the word of God and not my opinions or my context or my culture, but by the word of God. And what I want to do is I want to remind you, because here's the goal. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to know what Paul said in Romans. It's not on the screen. I just want you to hold on. I want you to listen up. It says it this way in Romans 1.16. Paul prophetically says this. Says, he says, for I, Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let me say that again. For it is the power the gospel, proclaiming it, preaching it. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Here's the question. Do you believe? Now, now, not head knowledge, not even just heart knowledge, but together spiritual knowledge. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because Paul is sold out right now. He is owning his faith. He is at the point of no return. He has to go through what he's going through to share his faith with people that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I want to talk about a lot of application today. I mean, how do we live out the gospel? How do we share the gospel? So I want to give you five gospel tips from our text today and we be power. Amen? Number one. We must use whatever platform we have to communicate the clear message of Jesus Christ. Whatever platform. I call these platforms missional domains. What are missional domains? A missional domain is a literal area or location that you are constantly living life in, where you take intentional ownership to live life on mission by communicating with others the message of Christ. This is what we're not saying. We're not saying because there is a lava issue that you're just going to take random acts of kindness things to them. 
No, that is secondary. What we're saying is that you have to prophetically, verbally, articulately share the message of Jesus. That's why the Bible's written. It's written in word form. You may say, well, how do the deaf people hear the message of God? There's this language called what? Sign language. They're still articulating words in words forms. Some people read by pictures. Some people read by word form. Some people understand reading by someone sharing their native tongue. The gospel of Jesus Christ lives in those missional domains. And so I was thinking about like, for Ohana Church, what does that look like? What is the missional domains in our church? Well, I have to think about you guys relationally as a kahu, as your mentor, as, as your, your, your leader in the faith. And this is what I was thinking about. Some of you are educators in this room. Some of you are county workers or state workers or construction workers or maintenance workers. Some of you work in the restaurant. Some of you work in the medical field. Some of you are coaches or in sports. The list can go on in this room. Wherever you are, that's your missional domain. This is not your missional domain. Only three of you said, yeah. This is not where missions take place. We're different from a lot of churches. We primarily use Sunday mornings, not as outreach, but inreach. Now, I'm not saying that it can't be outreach driven, but too much churches are doing gimmicks on Sunday and not discipling the leaders and the followers of Christ. And so we want to focus more on people that believe in Jesus primarily. That's why it's called the church and not the outside right? It's the church, the people that gather together. We are discipling you into going into your missional domain so that you may share your faith. This is what Ephesians 3, 7 says about Paul. Paul says this, of this gospel, the message of Jesus, I was made a what? Minister according to the gift of God's what? Grace, which was given me by the working of God's power. Now, I want to break this down for you. What, what, what have we been given? The gospel, all right? I was given the gospel to do what? To minister with it. What does it mean to minister? The word minister out of the Greek and English is serve. You may say, why? why don't you use the term serve? Because the Bible is written in Greek and we speak in English and some words don't match up. Are you with me? So we've been given the gospel to minister, meaning God's purpose of ministering to people is his grace. God's grace. So we have been given, listen to me, we've been given the purpose of grace We have been given the gospel, which is the message of Christ, to minister to people in our missional domains. Are you with me? Listen to me again. The meaning for God's grace is that we have been given the gospel to minister to the people in our missional domains. So your domain's got to have people. You can't hide out in your house. I cannot hide out in my office. I have to be on the street. I have to be at football practice. I have to be whatever. I have to be where my missional domain is in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? All right, that's the, that's the point. We must use whatever platform we have to communicate the clear message of Jesus Christ. Not just the message of Jesus Christ in this time and age, but the clear message of Jesus Christ. Here's a second point, gospel point tip number two. We must give a clear definition of God's righteousness to both those who are church and or unchurched. We have identified that less than 5,000 people in Hawaii, in, in Hilo specifically, do not attend an evangelical gospel-centered church on Sundays. Meaning that, oh, like right now they said the, the, 
Our domain, our city is almost 60,000, meaning that literally 55,000 is not connected with Jesus today. So there's a mission, and that mission can't be done on Sundays alone. That mission has to be throughout the week in your missional domain. In verse 24, 25, Paul has a gospel conversation with Felix. Now, we see Felix as unchurched, but his wife as church. We believe that Felix understands the Jewish message of the gospel, just the Old Testament, because his wife probably developed him and trained him to understand it. We see it in our verses today. But Paul describes three parts in this conversation he's having with this unchurched governor named Felix. And he speaks on the one thing, first thing out of the three, righteousness. God's righteousness. And look at this. God's righteousness also means holiness. Say that with me. Holiness. Say it again louder. Holiness. And holiness, here's how we define holiness. Holiness means to be set apart from sin. To be holy means that you have no relationship with sin. And what Paul is telling the governor Felix is that God is completely holy. And where God is, sin cannot be because that's the definition of holiness and sin cannot coexist with it. And this is why Paul is saying to Felix in our text, God is perfect. Like that is so awesome. Like, like God is perfect. I know we don't have a problem with that, right? That part of the gospel that God is perfect. And then Paul gives a clear heart check to this governor, right? This prisoner to the high chiefest of chiefs governor, right? But man is not perfect. Look at it. He says, God is righteous. So you have to see what the Bible is not saying about that, right? The opposite is true. If God is righteous, man is not righteous. Amen? And so we go to our third gospel tip, the second part that Paul talks about, and it's this. We must give a clear definition of man's inability to be good apart from saving faith in Christ. I want you to read that slowly with me, okay? Because you can get lost in the details. One, two, three. We must give a clear definition of man's inability to be good apart from saving faith in Christ. This is the second truth of Paul's conversation with the governor. He talks about God's righteousness on one hand. And now in the second point, he's talking about man's inability to be righteous apart from God. He uses the word in our translation, self-control. Paul is making it clear to Felix that apart from God's righteousness, we are unable to experience self-control. So this is where the heart check comes for us in this room. What are sins in your life you have no, you have no power over yet? What are sins in your life that, man, man, it's tough, it's strong. Well, the reality is where our mind and our heart is needs to be fixed on God's righteousness. Now, how do we fix our mind and our heart on God's righteousness? Well, we can't ask God for things and be away from the thing that he called us to read. One. Number two, we cannot, you know, we cannot keep on going and going and doing all these things that God, we know God is against us and expect God to bless us. God is in right relationship with his doctrine. And his doctrine of being righteous tells us that we are unrighteous. Now, now, listen to me. This is the unpopular message every Sunday. This is the message many people don't want to hear. Like, they're cool with saying, yeah, God is righteous, God is good, but to say that man is unrighteous and man is not good, man, you're stepping on my toes, Kahu. 
right? That's the message that we need to preach constantly because there is no good news a part of understanding on our righteousness before our righteous God, amen? Look at this part of scripture. Look, look, look at this. This offends people. This make, turns people away from the gospel. And Paul is basically telling Felix the governor that you are an unrighteous sinner. Felix, you need to be righteous, but nothing you do can make you righteous. That's what the truth is. We must give a clear definition of man's inability to be good apart from saving faith in Christ. We need Christ. Here's a biblical truth. The gospel we preach is the gospel that proclaims God's righteousness and confronts man's unrighteousness. Therefore, here's the hope. Man needs a rescue. You cannot skip your unrighteousness before a righteous God. You cannot communicate to people that God is love and that's it. There must be an understanding that what separates us from God's love is on our unrighteousness in our sin. You must preach that everywhere you go. Because if you only preach that God loves you, but there was no cost because of your sin, you sent them straight to hell. Because it was a lack of clarity of the gospel. Listen, I, I believe a lot of the churches here and the pastors here that say they're gospel-centered are true believers. I believe that. But there's a clarity of the gospel that's not taking place in our churches today. There is. You see it all over TV. What you must do to be good in front of God, you can't do nothing apart from God. This is where you, again, let me say, this is where you will become unpopular. This is where your family will start having fights with you and, and picnics. Like, you didn't think that you was going to have gospel-centered scraps of having some lao lao and kalua pig and all that stuff, but you're going to have it. Why? Because the gospel points out our unrighteousness to a righteous God. True. Nobody wants to hear that they're bad. Nobody wants to hear that they're unrighteous. I don't want to hear that. But we have to come to the reality that the reason why we all have problems in our lives, both externally and internally, is because we are unrighteous. And we need righteousness. We need right. God is righteous, not man. And there is hope, but Paul is talking about the flip side of man's inability to be good as well. And I believe understanding the totality of Scripture, all the Bible, right? What Paul is telling Felix is that self-control is obtainable through a love relationship with the Lord Jesus. Oh, all dear in Just heard me? Like that is where we get our joy. We can only be righteous in a relationship with the Lord Jesus who is righteous. That's what sets us apart from every other religion. That all religion says this is what you gotta do to be holy. Christianity is opposite. This is what God has done, so now you can be holy. You can be righteous. Look at what 2 Corinthians says. It says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no what? Sin, right? So that in Jesus, we might become what? The righteousness of God. So you may say, Kahu, you just said that God and sin cannot coexist together. That's why Christ died. Because he couldn't coexist together. It said that while Christ was being crucified on the cross, that God literally turned his back on his son. He abandoned his son. Why? Because God cannot hang around sin. God turned his back 
Because that's where he loved you. That's where God's love was demonstrated. Because of your filth, because of your opala, your pilakia, all the junk that you scrapping with right now in your heart, and you getting mad at me, God is doing what only he can do in there for you to repent to his name. Like, that's the gospel we need to preach. That's the gospel we need to hear. Listen to me. You're going to, hey, as you offend people with the gospel, they'll offend you. They'll kill your dogs. You all laugh, but you guys don't know what happened in my family the last couple weeks. When you preach the gospel, you will know that you're doing the right thing. Why? Because you're offending sinners. Now, I'm not trying to offend people for the sake of offending people. I'm trying to be like a spiritual doctor. If you have a problem, I want to tell you the problem, but not just tell you you got a problem. There's an answer to the problem, and his name is Jesus, our righteous God. That's the message that needs to be proclaimed, and that's what Paul is saying. We must clearly identify ourselves in this way. Look at this. Look, look. I want you to see this. My reply to the question, right? My reply to this question that Kyle, you said God and sin can be together. I would say this. Listen to me. This is how God demonstrates his unfailing love for sinners like you and me. Why? Here's the biblical truth. Righteousness is only obtained through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's my conversation with somebody that I would have this week. How do you gain a relationship? What, do you, what is your view on God's righteousness? And it's been such a blessing this week. What I love about tragedies, and I've been all over the world, tragedy is the same. It provides opportunity to share your faith, the clear gospel. And this week, I was helping out my auntie. She got the goal. She lives right across our Poho High School, right where the Pu'uhonua tent is. And all that, and so, and she was, she was, she was asked to evacuate. So our church people helped her two weeks ago, but then she got to go to move back in since the lava is way down the road already. And so we was having conversation with her in my house, and then they started asking us about cultural issues and this stuff. And listen to me, if it wasn't for that tragedy, I wouldn't have that conversation with them. Are you with me? Another thing, one of my my classmates asked us to marry them this week, and all that. And there's a rule. I don't marry people that aren't members of our church, you know, and all that. It's just a rule. We've, we've, we've tried our best to be in relationship with people. But every time we've married people, because I was their close friend and all that, they, it don't work out. And we don't, like, they don't come to the counselings. They don't, come, they, don't, they don't be connected with the church and all that. So we want to see true, genuine life change and all that. And so, so the one thing that, had, that made me provide grace and, and not listen to that rule literally is that they were consistently asking me for the last three years. And they were able to meet with me and talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then as I told him, I would marry you if you let me do one thing. Share the gospel. Only going to take two minutes. I promise you, inside everything. Only going to take me two minutes. But you got to let me say people are going to hell apart from Christ. Now, I didn't say it clearly like that. But I wanted people to know in that wedding that we're not here just for two people to get a wedding. We're here to point people to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And, and you could hear all of them saying amen. You can see their hearts convicted. That's the gospel, the clarity of the gospel. Righteousness is only obtained in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's our fourth tip. We must warn everyone regarding God's final judgment. And what I want to do, I want to ask three important questions to us today. Number one, who will be judged? Number two, on what basis will they be judged? And number three, what are the alternatives they may experience? So let's look at the, number, the first question. 
How, who will be judged? Well, look at Hebrews 9. It says it this way. And just as it is appointed for man to die once. Now, man as a whole, man, woman, children, all. Just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes what? Judgment. This is what I want you to hear. The answer is simple. Who will be judged? Help me out. Everyone. Everybody who has ever lived, who is living, who will live on this earth, will be judged. And I would say this, I would rather us be judged by Christians, listen to me now, than judged by God. Hear me out when I say this, because there is a bad theology in this day and age, not just in Hawaii, just in the world as all that God is my only judge. But there is different forms of judgment. And I want to read a scripture to you. You say, well, where does that say? Well, I got right here on my, my Bible something that tells me how to preach every day. And it says this. Kahuzik. I highlighted all the important parts, right? Preach the word. Be ready in season and what? Out of season. Reprove. Answer judgment already. I did that first one. Rebuke. Judgment. And exhort. Meaning lift up. With complete what? Patience and teaching. Look, for, let, let me tell you what my, my deal is with this text. It's not so much preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort. You know what's my issue? Complete patience. Not just patience. Complete patience. Which I would say, nobody should be a kahu in this room. One of my uh, friends told me this. Man, you got the worst job in the world. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah? I said, Why? And say, because people ask for your advice and they don't listen to you. That is why this job is not in pursuit of my heart. God called me to this office. That's why nobody should preach. Not everybody should preach. Because you are accountable for what you say. What if I gave a feel-good message every week? Right? I'll be pleasing man, rather God. And God is calling us, listen to me, to warn people about judgment. He said, everyone is going to be judged, myself included. Look at, look at the second question. On what basis will we be judged? Well, Romans says it this way. He will, who's he, God, right, capital H, he will render to each one according to his and her what? Works, right, their behavior, their lifestyle. To those who by patience and willing doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does what? Evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. That we would stand under the Greek. We are Hawaiians. You know, all of us Gentiles. That's where we would all stand. But verse 10, I love this. Listen to verse 10. There's hope, but glory and honor and what? Peace for everyone who does what? Good. The Jew first and also to the Greek. I mean, it's clear, right? It's clear. Here's, a, here's the last question, and I want to answer both of them together, right? What are the alternatives of this experience? Well, based on this text, those who walk with Christ will spend what? Eternity with Christ. Those who don't walk with Christ will be separated in hell for eternity. That is what it's saying. And listen to me. That's the scriptures. Take it up with God. 
We got to take, we got to be serious of our faith. And listen to me. I've been a youth pastor for 12 years. We said, man, I hope the camp is good. I hope we got an, you know, a preacher like Tahu who can bring passion and all this. Passion don't matter. How we communicate the gospel, the emotion of it don't matter. It's the truth that's alone is good enough. Listen to me. Oh, but Tahu, the theology you teach on Sunday is too big, man. We need basic theology. You're the problem, sir and ma'am. We can ask kids to take trigonometry, philosophy, all right? All these big things that they got to learn in school and all this, but we can't teach them about the doctrine of salvation. That's a double standard of its own. It's mokaki. We need to hold our people to a high standard. Listen to me. You can't, if you cannot articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can't be a member of this church. I know it's hard, but that's honest. How, why would you want to be a part of a gospel-centered family and you can't preach the gospel? Why would you want to play football and you never play football in your life? Right? And you've been, I mean, you got to be ingrained into it. We're not looking for half Christians. We're looking for people that's heart solely belongs to God. That when God is preached over the platform and you catch feelings, praise God. You use that feelings to give up to God. And not be immature and complain about it. Again, not popular. But I'm not here for popularity votes. I'm here for the right thing. And that's Jesus, who is righteous, has come to save unrighteous people to his righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the gospel we preach. And I pray that if you go to any other church and you don't hear this same message, run. Run. Run! Because the gospel that we preach is the gospel that rescues and changes people from one way of living to a whole other way of living. We didn't exchange this way of living to halfway be in. We exchanged this for this and never turning back. Now you may be saying, man, I'm but I still struggle. That's okay, you're saying you still struggle. You didn't get it. Those who live here would say they're not struggling. Those who live here say, man, I, I'm short of the glory of God. But I'm coming, God, with me, with my kahu, with the leaders of the church, with the family of God. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Why? Because that's the message that matters. True salvation is not based on our feelings because your feelings are going to jack you up. You'll be mad at God. Hey, I get mad at God too. You probably just wouldn't say it that way, right? No, I get ticked off at God sometimes. And then God was like, why? You're the problem, Zeke. You're the problem. And listen to me. Here's insanity. You keep on doing the same old things and you think you're going to change. Now, I'm preach from personal experience. I'm preaching to myself. We must warn everyone regarding God's judgment. There is a judgment for righteous people who will be with God. But there's a judgment for unrighteous people, and it doesn't end well for you. And that's why I'm going to preach it every Sunday. Every opportunity again. Why? Because God loves you. See where that love comes now? Here's the last point that we be follow. Here's the last gospel tip. We must be more intentional and focus on sharing the gospel instead of saving people. Can I get some woos in here, right? right? 
All right, say, say it out loud with me. One, two, three. We must be more intentional and focus on sharing the gospel instead of saving people. Here's the problem with churches today, especially in America. When someone makes a decision to trust in Christ, we think that's the end goal. But then six months down the road, they're living worse than when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Why? Because we taught them that a, a salvation was a one-time experience, rather a process. Listen to me. You can, you can have Easter services and Christmas services. We had about 230 people in Easter services, right? 20 of them trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I think six of them are in church today. So our goal is not primarily to see people just saved, but that we understand that salvation is a process. The cards is not making their defined decision. It's just telling us, church, how to follow up with them and how to love them to the reality of Christ. And listen to me, the church, I don't know if you know, but the church has grown so much, all right, that it's impossible for me to minister to every family in this church. So we've set up leaders and team members to be able to do what Christ has called us to do, share our faith. When you fill out those cards, we mean it. Within two, three days, I'm going to email you. I'm going to reach out to you. Why? Because the gospel we preach is the gospel that combines and connects people together. Listen to me. Paul's goal was to faithfully share Christ, not save Felix. We know this to be true because Felix never accepted Paul's message of Christ. I mean, read the text. Instead, he didn't dismiss Paul one time, but he dismissed Paul twice. But every time he called Paul, right, Paul always had a gospel conversation with him. See, Paul's goal wasn't to save Felix. Paul's goal was to be consistent in sharing Jesus with Felix. Look at the text. Acts 24, 24 to 27 says this. And as he reasoned, Paul, right, as Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was what? What? You know what that means in our context? He caught feelings. He didn't catch feelings. Why? Because Paul is preaching on, look at those things, self-control, judgment, right? He caught feelings. And listen to me, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Like, like when you are good for my advantage, Paul, then I'll call you. And he said, How? it doesn't say that, read on. Look at this. At the same time, he hoped that what? Money would be given him by who? Paul, right? He, he knew Paul had money. If you read the text, the verses earlier, why he got in prison, right? So listen to me. So he went from him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Pontius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Listen to me. Paul faithfully, hmm, I want you to see this. Paul faithfully shared the gospel of Jesus with a man who at the end never embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may have friends in your life that seems like, man, they're never going to accept Jesus. That's not your call. Your call is to faithfully share the gospel. That's your role. Your call is to faithfully share the gospel with them. I want you to hear this. In fact, Felix had his own agenda. He was entertaining Paul by thinking Paul, oh, Paul sharing the gospel. You know, Paul thinking, yeah, I'm doing something good. 
Paul wasn't concerned about his salvation. Paul was concerned about him being faithful to God, sharing about salvation. Yeah, should we love people? Absolutely. We should be more concerned with what God has to say about unrighteous people but, and deliver that message. Felix's hope was to rob Paul of his money. So our gospel tip it stands true today. We must be more intentional and focused on sharing the gospel instead of saving people. Why? Because we must be faithful to clearly, diligently, intentionally share the verb, verbiage word of the Lord Jesus. That's the message to die for. That's a message to be persecuted for. That is a message to be treated wrongly for. Why? Because we win in the end. Kahu, my son, grew up in church but walked away. Continue to share. God, uh, Kahu, one of my, my servant leaders, they, they're not getting it. Continue to share. My own children. They're rascal. They're young. And, and we would blame it on being young. But in all reality, they just need to hear the gospel more. I don't know how you prepare your kids, but we coach our kids. And now, every time we coach them, they'll work. Kainalu, Kaimana, your cousin them is going to be in church today. We're going to worship the Lord. All right, your goal is to teach them how to clap and how to sing and all that, right? Well, today, no cousins are here, but to, today, they're over there. And now they're strapping each other. Sing, 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 bah! And make music, bah! You know what I'm saying? And I want to I wanna teach you guys this. The perfect time to disciple your kids in the gospel message, during times like this. You see your child sleeping during the preaching of the word? Get it up. Why? It won't matter in a long go. Hey, you see your husband sleeping in the word? Wapa! Get up. And let me just point you back to a man named Ithacus, all right? Go back reading the Acts. The word was being preached. They were on the second level. Peter was Peter or Paul, Kaho Marcus. One of them was preaching the word of God, okay? And Ithacus was one of those uncles, you know, you grew up with, right? The music, hallelujah, yes, I amen. The music going, the message come. You know what the Bible said? Ithacus fell out of the window and died. You want to train your children in the ways of the Lord? Share them the story of Ithacus when they sleep in the church next time. Now, thank God, we don't have second levels yet, right? Yet, right, right? But the reality is, it didn't end there for Ithacus. Guess what happened? They shared the gospel to his dead corpse. And the word said, breath came in his lungs and he stood remember your role is not to save people your role is to share your faith no matter the circumstance now now I know it's easier to receive now because my voice is sound a little bit more tender and more soft right but listen to me our words should express its definition. And that's why we preach unapologetically the gospel. One thing we didn't address 
is that though Drisola probably got it as a Jew, her husband didn't get it. Women, I'm proud of you. Many of our women are single spiritually in this church. I get it. All right? I understand it. But it took a godly man like my father to show me what it meant to be a godly man. Daddy always told me this. Don't preach for popularity. Preach because it's the right thing to do. Women who are spiritually single, don't trust in Jesus because, don't, don't not don't trust in Jesus because it's the unpopular thing. Trust in Jesus because you've experienced him. Like you're an Ithacus, you're dead on the ground. You fell from grace, right, literally, right? And then God in his sovereign plan regenerates you, women. How much greater, man, would this church be a gospel-centered church if every man in this room would be like Paul, no matter the cost, advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we would experience the promises of Abraham. Or Jesus, where God in the Old Testament told us, I will bless you, Abraham, and I will bless your children, and I will bless their children. Check this out. And those who curse you, I got them. I'll curse them. And those that bless you, Abraham, I will bless them. Five tips of the gospel basically means this. Share Jesus with passion and conviction. 